The following is a text exchange which occurred between brothers on October 1st, 2021. 10.20 a.m. There's a fella in North Dakota whose neighbor has a walnut tree in his yard, but this guy left his truck parked at his house for a few days and a squirrel started storing walnuts inside his truck. By the time the guy removed the walnuts, there were 42 gallons of them. Yeah, I saw those pictures. How's the squirrel going to find room for 42 gallons of walnuts? I hate squirrels. Rodents with unusually good press. I have no opinion about squirrels. All I know is that if you're walking through town and see a three-headed elephant which is on fire, and there's a squirrel sitting next to it, everybody's going to say, SQUIRREL! Straight from the heartland, this is Things I Text My Brother. Hey folks, and welcome back to another episode of Things I Text My Brother, a series of conversations which have taken place between the brothers Drew Yard on subjects spanning the neighborhood and the globe, which will hopefully leave you smarter, kinder, and better looking. Today we're going to jump off from that dramatic reading that you just heard and discuss the topics therein. Maybe we'll talk about rodents with unusually good press. Maybe we'll talk about walnuts. Maybe we'll talk about mischievous squirrels or three-headed elephants which are on fire. But we haven't plotted an exact course because we want you to join us on that journey. I'm Jeff. This is Brad. Let's talk about our texts. But before we pull off the fenders to explore this tale of walnuts stashed in an avalanche, we need to take a look back because it's always important to make time to cleanse ourselves of our past sins and to continue our boundless quest for self-improvement through worthless information. Thus it's time for ablutions and edification. Brother Brad, I didn't do any extra work this week, but I hear you have some edification. What do you got? I was reading about Saudi Arabia and their plans to build a giant building. They have a plan called Vision 2030. They're going to build a giant skyscraper, but they're going to lay it on its side. So that's just a flat building. It's just a really long, skinny building that's going to house up to 9 million people. Oh, I think I know what episode you're comparing things to. Maybe Holy Ghost parties and such. Well, sure, we can go there. They're going to connect it by rail systems, renewable energy, all that stuff. I was just thinking about how many Magner Bear Magnusons it would take to lift it. But uh, <laughs> good point on your Holy Ghost parties. Yeah. We've covered so much ground on this podcast. We do. Now. Every, everything ties together. I mean, what, we're like 40-some episodes in now, and I feel like people who listen to us are so much smarter than they ever been. I think we're living up to our, our goal of making people smarter. There are a dozen of people who are definitely differently informed than they would have been without us. Yeah, I suppose. But one thing I did read about was like they're putting a bunch of mirrors on the outside, which Why? is supposed to help keep it cool and not absorb so much heat because it's in the desert. But I assume if you were on the outside, it would like blind you. All those mirrors, they must have a plan. I don't know. Maybe it's not going to reach the 3000 degrees that would be required to like turn sand into glass. But I suppose if it does, that would be a source of renewable glass to make the windows and mirrors out of mm. for this giant building. Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, me neither. Well, I don't know if I'm edified, but you promised that it would be something. And it was definitely something. I like to deliver. Well, today's text was all about a guy in North Dakota who found a bunch of walnuts in his truck. There's probably any number of ways we can go with this, but what are we going to talk about first? I said it in the text chain, and I stand by it. Squirrels are just rodents with unusually good press. Yeah? 
Yeah. Why, why do you feel so strongly about this? Well, I can tell you why. One thing is it creeps me out that if they don't constantly chew on things, their incisors will literally grow until they start growing through their heads. What do you mean? They grow through their heads. They grow down, not up, right? They grow, yeah, down and up. And, you know, they got incisors on both sides. But their teeth would grow. Oh, that's true. They don't just have top teeth. I was thinking they only had top teeth. They don't stop growing, though. They'll just keep growing and it'll, like, grow through their heads. So that's one reason they constantly have to chew on things. Oh. They need their teeth to constantly be regenerating. Hmm. Yeah, it creeps me out that that would happen. And, and I know that they have a role to play in the ecosystem, planting seeds by accident and all that is important. You know, they sure. eat things and poop them out and they grow. That's good. But I feel like they mostly are just loud and angry jerks that are constantly looking to annoy me. Yeah. And I kind of equate them with the rodents of unusual size from the Princess Bride movie. Only scene I will never watch. But uh, like you said in your text, if there's a three-headed elephant that's on fire and people see a squirrel, everybody gets so excited about the squirrel. You go to the zoo. There's giraffes and elephants and koalas, and a squirrel runs by, and everybody follows the squirrel. Squirrel! They have just such good press. Why do you think people love squirrels so much? I don't know, because they have bushy tails, but what about the ones that don't have <laughs> tails? People seem to like those, too. I uh, I was interested in the subject, and I knew that you were anti-squirrel, so I did a little research based on my anticipation of you being anti-squirrel in this podcast. Which I am. And I found out that there's the big debate on the internets, because that's where all the most productive debate happens. Well, sure. About the subject of rats and squirrels, because I think regardless of what camp you're in, of whether you like rats or squirrels or not, you can probably agree that squirrels certainly have better press and, you know, more warm and fuzzies in, in the minds of the general public than rats do, even though they're both rodents. And so I got to looking at things and the anti-squirrel people were quick to point out that squirrels are responsible for up to one in five American power outages. Makes sense. They cause thousands of fires a year. Right. And from time to time, they indiscriminately attack humans. What do you think of all that? That's exactly what I think of them. Yeah. They just seem jerky to me. They're constantly messing with you and messing with stuff and they don't leave your house alone. They don't leave your stuff alone. I know our houses are in the middle of their world, but I have a particular hatred for squirrels. So there is this article by Jacob Stern in The Atlantic earlier this year in 2022. The title of the article was Admit It, Squirrels Are Just Tree Rats. So why do we love one rodent yes, and hate the other? Exactly. <laughs> Early in the internet, in the days of the internet, you could build free websites on like tripod and stuff. Yeah, GeoCities. Yeah, GeoCities, tripod. I wanted to learn how to code. And I had a particular hatred for squirrels at that moment in time. And I didn't really think that there was enough truth in the world about squirrels out there. So I created a website called wehatesquirrels.tripod.com, which mostly consisted of a three paragraph long diatribe against squirrels, a picture of a squirrel looking shifty, like it's going to cause them trouble. Yeah. It's not that I want squirrels to die. I don't want to kill them or anything. No, I just don't like them. I don't want to be around them. I don't like that they're celebrated. But the real reason I hate squirrels has to do with what happened at my house. What happened at your house, Brother Brad? I might know, but I doubt the audience know. knows. I know. So when we moved in to our house, which was our first house after we got married, Cheryl and I, in the uh, year 2000. In the year 2000. We are robots. In the year 2000. Anyway, so we moved into our house. And we had lots of trees. We don't have as many trees now. They've all died some sort of 
insect infestation. We had a whole bunch of, of trees and an incredible number of red squirrels living in them. So I had never really been around red squirrels. I'd seen the gray squirrels. I've seen other squirrels. Never red squirrels. They're a little bit smaller than the gray squirrels, and they're really annoying. But when the gray squirrels move in, it scares the red squirrels away. But we had been in the house a couple months, and it was 4th of July weekend. And Cheryl had been complaining because she was worried that snakes were going to come out of our shower drain because it didn't have a cover on it. And I was thinking, well, you know, we're on a septic system, aeration system. We're not on a sewer. Nothing could come out of the drain. But being the nice husband I am, I went out and bought a cover and I put it on. The next morning I woke up and I heard this hissing sound at four or five in the morning coming from the bathroom. I'm like, oh my God, there's a snake in the shower. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't believe she was right. I don't understand how it could get there. We're on a closed system. I don't know. So eventually, after about two hours of listening to this, and Cheryl hadn't woken up yet, I slowly made my way into the bathroom and tried to figure out what it was. And it's not coming from the shower, it's coming from the toilet. So I'm like, ah, I'll just flush the toilet, see if it goes back down. So I flushed the toilet, and the hissing stopped. I was like, oh, this is great. Then I heard bang, 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 bang. And then in our other bathroom, I started hearing splashing in the toilet. So what it was, went down the drain when I flushed, ran through the pipe to the other toilet, and I had no idea what it was. So I called the only person I could think of who on a holiday weekend Saturday would be up at like six in the morning, Grandpa Doc. And I said, <laughs> Doc, I don't know what to do. There's something in my toilet. I don't have gloves. I don't have a trash can. I don't have, I have nothing. We just moved into this house. I didn't own anything. And I'm like, what do you think I should do? I don't even know what's in there. And he's like, well, do you have like a storm window or something in the basement? I said, I think we do. Let's stick it between the toilet seat and the toilet and see what you can see. So I did that and whatever it was started trying to knock its way through. I'm like, oh, I think it's squirrels. He said, huh, I'm not really sure how that could happen. Good luck with that. <laughs> so <laughs> at this point, Cheryl had been up for a while and she'd gone to the bathroom at the grocery store. She wasn't using the toilet at our house. So she came back and she calls the exterminator. Hey, you know, we've got a squirrel in our toilet. Can you come get it out? And he doesn't believe us. I'm like, why would we be pranking you at like six in the morning on a Saturday before 4th of July? That seems like a ridiculous thing to do said, I'll be right out. Like four hours later, he shows up. And we've been sitting here waiting and waiting, waiting for him. And he's like, well, someone had a skunk on their property and we thought that was more important. We're like, seriously? A skunk on your property <laughs> versus a squirrel in our toilet? I don't think so. So he shows up and he comes in, closes the door, and then we hear bang, bang, bang. Shoot, shoot, shoot. <laughs> and uh, he sticks his head out. He said, I lost it. I said, what do you mean you lost it? <laughs> so he pulled it out of the toilet and he dropped it. It went under our vanity, under our sink. I'm like, that whole bathroom is going. I said, I'm get you a hammer, whatever you need to do, just get thing out of the house. So he bangs on the inside of the vanity, breaks the floor on it, gets the squirrel out. And he's walking through the kitchen and drops it again. Oh, and uh, we had this old U-shaped counter in our kitchen that blocked off the kitchen from other parts of the house. And so it got stuck in this corner. And fair play to him. He dove on the floor, grabbed the squirrel again, took it outside. Apparently, it was mating season. They were chasing each other. They ran through the ventilation pipe that's in the roof. So we put a ventilated cap on it, which you think would make us learn, but we didn't cap our chimney with a ventilated cap either. And we had animals move into our chimney a couple of times. Oh, wow. So I'm not a big fan of squirrels. We had them in our attic when we first got our dog, who was crazy. The squirrels were running through our walls, and the dog would chase the squirrels around the house through the wall. And that wasn't awesome. In the morning and at night, when they'd be active, he'd be active running around the house, barking at the walls. But eventually, the trees have all died off. The gray squirrels and the crows have moved in, and they've scared off all the red squirrels. So we don't have nearly as many problems. The gray squirrels don't seem to come in our house. Well, Brad, are you not impressed that the scientific name of the red squirrel translates to the steward who sits in the shadow of his tail? Isn't that a beautiful name? It just makes me hate them more. It's such a <laughs> pretentious name. Oh, 
Well, I was looking, and there are others who felt the same way as you. Apparently in 1918, California conscripted children to battle squirrels, and they said that using all devices of modern warfare was appropriate, including gas. So things have gotten pretty nasty. Yeah, but they didn't have the success they had with the rats in Canada, in that province of Canada that killed off Saskatchewan, right? Killed off all the rats. I think it was Alberta, wasn't Alberta. it? Alberta. Alberta, you're right. Yeah. But in in this whole debate of squirrels versus rats, people came down to the tail being a big difference because the yes. rat has that scary hairless tail, which yeah, kind of yeah. looks snake-like. And Fair. Also because we tend to associate rats with disease. Right. But I saw that rats are known to carry a number of infectious diseases, including hantavirus, leptospirosis, lymphoctic choreomangitis, tularemia, and salmonella. That all sounds good. But doesn't don't squirrels squirrels can spread rabies, right? They can spread rabies. They can also spread the plague. They can spread the plague too? Yeah. Squirrels are often uh when you hear there's a plague case, often like in the mountains of California, you hear about one. It's almost always squirrels. Huh. Yeah. So in addition to like those connotations of the history with disease that people associate with rats more than squirrels, and the fuzzy tail, the theory of this writer, Jacob Stern from The Atlantic, was also how we encounter them. So squirrels, we see they're out and about doing their business as a part of the landscape, daytime. When we see rats, they're scurrying through a subway track or going yeah. through trash or it's nighttime. Sure. But that certainly has an effect. I thought that was a good reason. And to your point, other than the movie Ratatouille, which I've never seen, but apparently features <laughs> rats. It does. Rats are usually a villain when they're depicted in cartoons and different things. And squirrels are, you know, mischievous, but fun little creatures and all that. But yeah, apparently a lot of it goes back to like humans being conditioned. There was a scientist called Jacob Pollock, a psychologist at Charles University in Prague. He studied the relative grossness of different animals. That's a great thing to study. Yeah. He said that disgust, just as a general concept, evolved as a defense mechanism against dangerous pathogens, and rats were notorious for carrying disease. But not everybody agrees with them. There's another psychologist, a guy named Paul Rosen at the University of Pennsylvania. He points to the fact that what is delicious in one place is nauseating to another, and that rats are another source of protein in some Asian countries, and the tail in particular is considered a delicacy. You want to eat some rat tails? I don't, but I, I listened to a podcast not too long ago where they were talking about the fad for a little while where mostly college kids were eating live goldfish. Someone from MIT set the record for the number of live goldfish eaten in a certain period of time. It was really disgusting. But again, like I said, if that disgusts me, maybe people like live goldfish. Speaking of which, the last line in this article was taken from a Quora commenter. It appears that Jacob Stern canvassed the Reddit threads and Quora comments, and he found one comment to wrap everything up that I really liked. It was from a commenter on Quora who wrote, Since I love them, meaning rats, I don't actually mind waking up to find a rat standing on my face. No, I, I would mind that. <laughs> in what world do you hear that and say, yeah, I'm, I'm good? <laughs> As I was looking into all this and the original text exchange, I was like, what am I going to talk about here? And I looked into walnuts and I didn't find all that much that intrigued me about walnuts. A little bit of an origin story featuring the god Jupiter and some different stuff. But really squirrels are what I got into. And I ended up going down this big rabbit hole of squirrels as pets, which was a big deal in the 18th and 19th century. Did you know that? I, I didn't. I mean, our, our one neighbor had a descendant skunk as a pet. Ooh. 
Natalie Zarelli wrote in Atlas Obscura all about when squirrels were one of America's most popular pets. And it even details a story, which I saw quoted in other sources as well, about Ben Franklin issuing a tribute to a dead squirrel. Would you like to hear it? Could it have been a better tribute than his tribute to the turkey as, as a regal bird? I don't know. I'll let you be the judge. So out of Natalie's article in Atlas Obscura, she says that in 1722, a pet squirrel named Mungo passed away. Now, I had to go and do a little math. My question was, when was Ben Franklin born? He was born in 1706. So apparently, like 16 years into his life, Mungo passed away. And Mungo was the squirrel of one of Ben Franklin's friends. So he decided to write uh, a little uh, tribute to it. Ben Franklin wrote, Few squirrels were better accomplished, for he had a good education, had traveled far, and had seen much of the world. Thou art fallen by the fangs of wanton, cruel ranger. So apparently a dog named Ranger killed the squirrel. Oh, oh no. In 1722. What I couldn't figure out is, did Ben Franklin write that tribute as a 16-year-old, or did he write it much later in life? I don't really Mm -hmm. know. But apparently it wasn't all that uncommon for people to have squirrels during the 18th and 19th centuries. Squirrels were amongst the most popular pets in colonial America, and I was... Curious as to what were the other common pets yeah, in colonial America. I was ask you. Yeah. I didn't look too far into it, but according to another article I read, colonists kept many different animals as pets, including squirrels, wild birds, raccoons, deer, horses, snakes, frogs, turtles, and of course, dogs and cats and all the normal suspects. But apparently squirrels were a big deal. They were often sold in markets, kept by wealthy urban families. And this article from Natalie Zarelli even points out that it's not uncommon. You can see some paintings at the Metropolitan Museum of Art of well-to-do children holding a polite upper-class squirrel attached to a gold chain leash. There's no such thing as a polite squirrel. Yeah? It's a lie. It's fake. Maybe if you raise them right, they could be better. In the 1851 book called Domestic Pets, Their Habits and Management by Jane Loudon, she spent a lot of time talking about squirrels, more so even than rabbits, the author notes. And she said that squirrels may be taught to jump from one hand to the other to search for a hidden nut. Isn't that great? That seems obvious. And that a squirrel will soon know its name and the person who feed it. That just sounds like a wonderful pet. Maybe. But like you said, they do have teeth that keep growing, you know, they're, so they are designed specifically to chew on things. And as it yes. turns out, it became clear that squirrels were not the best pets. And we should point out for any listeners wanting to go out and buy one, don't go out and get a pet from a squirrel breeder. For one thing, they're almost certainly doing something illegal. And to take an undomesticated squirrel is definitely not okay. From the 1920s to the 1970s, many states have adopted wildlife conservation and exotic pet laws, which prohibit squirrels at home. So you don't have to deal with their finicky diet, their space requirements, or their scratchy claws. I'm very much a fan of keeping the squirrels out of my house, so I'm cool with that. I don't really want them as a pet. Uh, Admittedly, my relationship with squirrels has not been great. I also was running once, and a squirrel leapt off of a railroad track that was raised up above where I was running and it leapt off the railroad track and bounced off me while I was running and scared the crap out of me in the middle of the night. 
That was not the best. It bounced off of you? Yeah. Did anybody get the rebound? No, it just bounced oh. off and scurried away. I, it scared me more than him, I think. But I remember reading an article a few years ago about a little girl in Washington or Oregon, someplace out west here in the United States. She was like seven or eight at the time, and she liked to feed the crows that came to visit her house every now and then. The crowing. Yeah, the crowing. She would feed the crows every now and then. And then it became a thing that she did. So every morning she and her mom would leave peanuts and bits of dog food and, and other treats out in the yard in a feeding box. But after a while, the crows started bringing trinkets and leaving trinkets for when oh, yeah. they took the food. So they left marbles and fancy stones, pieces of jewelry and all kinds of stuff. Dan Cortez. Maybe Dan Cortez. Is he a trinket? So maybe if the squirrels were less likely to invade my walls and toilet. And more likely to bring me presents like jewelry that I could sell or something. Maybe I would wouldn't dislike them so much. What do you? What would you think if a squirrel brought you a bunch of presents in the forms of walnuts stashed inside one of your vehicles? I don't really need to have that happen. No, I'm okay with without that. I have found bits of chewed up buckeyes ah. that have fallen off our buckeye trees in like my shoes in the garage and stuff. So they do get in the garage and store them in my shoes. Go bucks! Yeah. So what did this guy do with all those walnuts? For the record, this guy, his name is Bill Fisher. He lived in Fargo, North Dakota. And I found versions of this story in all sorts of papers from the Grand Forks Herald to the Idaho Statesman to the Washington Post. And they all basically tell the, the same stats. He had 42 gallons worth. He had seven five-gallon buckets. All the articles listed those numbers. So first off, Brad, what does seven times five gallons. How many gallons does that equal? 35 gallons. 35 gallons. So why does every news story say that he had seven buckets that were five gallon buckets and ended up with 42 gallons worth? Because he heaped the walnuts over the top. Then how did he measure that part? They just guessed mm. that there was another gallon on top of each bucket, right? I guess so. But Bill Fisher, what he did do with it is he actually advertised the 42 gallons of black walnuts up for grab. And his quote was, naturally grown and now industry first, all hand picked by a squirrel, red squirrel to be exact. So he advertised <laughs> things basically with the squirrel. But the squirrel was doing what squirrels do. He was a scatter hoarder, meaning that they wanted to maximize retrieval of their scattered food caches while minimizing loss to pilferers. So if you spread things out, that's good. But he got a little too concentrated on one truck, which happened to be a Chevrolet Avalanche. But the thing was, he knew that this tree did this every two years. And he knew that they targeted his avalanche. He said other cars were at times parked closer or more accessible. And the squirrel would go further to hide things in the avalanche. So my question is, why you park in the avalanche around there without it being like completely sealed off? Maybe it doesn't have a garage or whatever, but there's got to be something you can do with your car to prevent you going on a business trip and coming home to 42 gallons of walnuts, which is probably actually 35 gallons. I don't know what you do. I mean, if you covered it with a tarp, then it would still, I, other than unless you take it to the airport or the train station or bus station with you and park it in their garage, maybe. Yeah, I think you'd have to take it elsewhere unless he literally put a tarp under and around the truck. Right, that, would, that wouldn't work. One of the articles I saw explained how the squirrel would have gotten into there. And he had to go through a bunch of areas of the vehicle you're not supposed to go through. But I guess if you're a squirrel, you're not really supposed to go through any areas of the vehicle. Just seems like there would be a way around this. But Bill Fisher, I guess in another couple of years, he's going to be sitting and watching the squirrel go for the record. 
Is it a record? Do we know it's a record for the uh, most one? No, I did try and look into other stuff that have been found or stored in cars. And that seemed to be kind of a dead end for me. So if there's a greater number, I don't know where it is or what it is. Hmm. I was mentioning squirrels being kept as pets. Do you want to hear some other people who kept squirrels as pets, Brad? I do want to hear some other people that kept squirrels as pets. I don't actually have an exhaustive list. I have Ben Franklin's friend, whose dear Mungo died at the paws or mouth of Ranger the dog. Hate him. I have Bob Ross. If you had to take a guess, what is the name of Bob Ross's squirrel? Or what was the name? I did know this at one point, but now I can't remember. It's Peapod. I did know that at one point. Yeah. And if presidentialpetmuseum.com is to be trusted, which who am I to question a source as credible as that? It's almost like going to (laughs) janeaustin.co.uk. According to presidentialpetmuseum.com, both Warren G. Harding and Harry Truman not only had squirrels, but had squirrels named Pete. In the White House? Like instead of having dogs, they kept squirrels? Interesting you should ask that because according to this website, presidentialpetmuseum.com, I quote, President Warren Harding, I've never seen it written without the G. So Me that's neither. I'm getting that's a good point. Here. Yeah. President Warren, not G. Harding, and his wife Florence were great animal lovers. Their White House family included two dogs, Laddie Boy and Old Boy, several nice. canaries, and a squirrel named Pete. It goes on to say that Pete would eat right out of people's hands. He lived on the grounds of the White House and could be seen scampering through the halls and even attended press conferences and news briefings. It lived outside, but they let it inside sometimes. I guess so. Weird. Further quoting, in the earlier stages of the Harding administration, it was Laddie Boy who knows his way amongst the correspondents. But at a conference last Friday, Pete entered the executive offices before the meeting was in session, ran nimbly to and fro during the proceedings, and was one of the last to leave. So not only is he there, but he's dedicated, like first in, last out, like they always say about athletes, right, you know, right. work hard. I have another illusion, though. According to presidentialmuseum.com, Harding was not the first president to own a Pete the Squirrel because President Harry Truman also kept a squirrel named Pete. Well, even I know that's the wrong sequence of presidents. Yeah, yeah. So for our out-of-country listeners, Warren Harding or Warren G. Harding, either way, was president before Harry Truman, so he would have had the first Pete the Squirrel. But yeah, when we talk about presidential squirrels, we're talking about the adventures of Pete and Pete. I was looking up other animals that have made weird collections in people's houses or property or whatever. Ah, that's kind of the subject I tried to follow, but I had no success. I also had no success. I did see that humans collect horribly weird things. And there probably is someone somewhere collecting just about anything. One animal that was a collector that I did run across, though, was the satin bowerbird of East Australia. Wait, what is the satin bowerbird? Satin bowerbird. And it was from East Australia. Yeah. The males decorate their nests with all manner of blue things. Feathers, shells, flowers, Mm. dead butterflies, straws packaging anything they can find that's blue and they can carry it they put it in their nest and some of them will even crush blue pigment out of things like if they can find something that they can crush and get the blue pigment out of it and paint their Mm. nests blue all in an effort to woo the females oh yeah wow i've never heard of an animal painting anything yeah well i've seen pictures of elephants and videos of elephants painting with their trunks 
Were they three-headed elephants which were also on fire? They were not on fire at the time. Well, let me give you a pop quiz. We'll start there. Oh, I always like a quiz. I just came up with this, so we'll see how it goes. Okay. Out of the following pairs, tell me which animal the general public would be more excited to see. All right. So let's say we had an elephant who was actively painting a beautiful scene. Okay. A lovely canvas. Yeah. This elephant was not on fire. It only had one head, but he was painting. But right next to that elephant was a squirrel that wasn't doing jack squat. Who would the public be watching? I imagine most of them would be watching the squirrel. Yep. All right. Imagine that you happen to have one of the monkeys in the infinite monkey theorem. Ooh. Oh, not not uh, not the monkeys, not uh, like Davy <laughs> Jones or Peter Tork. So, yeah, hey, hey, where are the monkeys? Yeah. But what if one of the monkeys from the infinite monkey theorem, which says if you give monkeys enough time to type at random, yeah, just yeah. mathematically speaking, at some point, one of them will accidentally type the entire collected works of William Shakespeare. Right on. Let's say there was a monkey who we'd been following for a while, and he was down. He only had like three letters left, so he's right at the end of this great accomplishment. But sitting right next to this monkey, I assume he uses a typewriter just because computers are so advanced. So advanced. But this monkey is sitting there. He's typing. He's just a few letters away from completing the works of Shakespeare. But right next to him is a squirrel doing jack squat. Who is the general public going to be focused on? Well, definitely the squirrel in that instance, because who wants to watch a monkey typing on a typewriter? Nobody. End of quiz. You got both answers correct. I, I knew I would. I wanted to follow up on that story I started about the fad of swallowing goldfish. Oh, yeah. It was a Harvard student named Lothrop Withington Jr. who started the fad. He was bragging with his friends that he had once eaten a live goldfish in 1939. He was bragging this and uh, they bet him $10. He couldn't do it again. So he said, I will take that bet. And instead of just him and his friends hanging out around at a bar or whatever with him eating this goldfish, it turned into an entire school event where everybody came to watch him swallow a live goldfish. And he did. And uh, MIT saw this and they said, we can do better. And so they way overachieved, comparatively speaking. I believe 25 was what the uh, guy from MIT swallowed. Jeez. Oh, wait, no, no. There was Harvard, 8-1. Penn 825. Then the guy from MIT ate 42. 42? Watch out, Joey Chestnut. This Lathrop guy from... No, Lathrop was the first guy. These random people from MIT. Lothrop Withington, yeah. Yeah, so the random guys from MIT said, I'll take that bet and you're going to regret because I'm the best there's ever been. Do you know that phrase, Brad? No. That's the devil went down to Georgia. So this guy, the first guy, his name was Lathrop? Lothrop. Lothrop. Lothrop Withington Jr. Yeah, I can imagine what I'll... He's sounding like he's a dead ringer for uh, Winthorpe from the beginning of (laughs) Trading Places. Yes. But the record holder during this whole fad was Joseph DeLiberato from Clark University, who ate 89 goldfish in one sitting. All right. As the uh, craze started to die down, Massachusetts passed some laws saying you can't do that anymore. It's cruel. And uh, podcast disclaimer, don't do this, people. Be better. Yeah. Well, there is one man that you and I both know well who would only eat goldfish of the cheddar variety. He's our father, Art, and we're going to ask him some questions. (laughs) 
As someone who parked his Dodge Omni under a large tree, did you fear nature's impact on your car? Or were you confident that Annabelle would protect it from her chair in the breezeway? <laughs> no, I never I never thought about it. I, I did worry a little bit about bird droppings, but that was the only place I could park it at the time. In gallons, what is the largest amount of walnuts you've ever hidden in a truck? Probably uh, one walnut. One walnut. How many walnuts have you eaten in your life? Are you a walnut fan? If they're shelled, sure. Why are people so fascinated with squirrels, do you think? They're fun to watch, and they can really jump. I'm impressed with their vertical leap and their horizontal leap. Besides squirrels, is there an animal that you think gets too much good press? Well, maybe, maybe raccoons, because they are cute, but they're, they're, they're extremely vicious. Huh? Have you ever been victimized by any squirrel-related shenanigans? Not that I think of, except for squirrels uh, stealing some something I might have set out for birds to eat. Do you have any children who may have been victimized by squirrel-related shenanigans? Once again, not that I can recall, but uh, knowing my boys, probably. You don't recall squirrels coming out of my toilet? Oh, yes, I do. I feel I, like that should have made a greater not, impression no, upon you. No, it, it, it did. I was thinking outdoors. I, oh. I wasn't. Oh, okay. If you had said indoor squirrel stories. Oh, maybe. that's on me then. I get it. Well, folks, now that we've heard from Father Art, it means that our time together is coming to an end for this episode. We've said just about everything we're prepared to say about toilet squirrels. Pete and Pete, the ever-so-domestic Satin Bowerbird, Mungo, the educated and well-traveled squirrel, Lothrop Withington Jr., Bob Ross, and Grandpa Doc. But fear not, just as soon as we can dig back into the archives and find another gem of a text exchange, there'll be another episode coming your way. In the meantime, you can head over to our Instagram page at Things I Text My Brother Podcast to drop us a note about what you liked, what you didn't like, or to tell us about something we got totally wrong. You might even have enough time to go tell a friend, an enemy, or a total stranger to give us a listen as well. If you manage to do any of that, the fraternity of Druyards will be forever grateful. But most importantly, cover up your car during walnut season, and we'll talk to you next time. Hey, Pete and Repeat were cross, walking across the bridge. Pete jumped off. What happened to Repeat? Repantsed. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember why people thought that joke was funny, but I remember people telling it. It is like the song that never ends. It just goes on and on, my friend. Yeah. But I love the comments we had about whether what it would be called, because there was de-pantsing and being pants. Both me and having your pants yeah. stolen. But then we said that it would be repants if somebody came by you quick and put a pair of pants on you. You said that would be repants, and I, I laughed and laughed when I heard that. Well, it would be. It seems to go without saying. And the joke wouldn't be as funny, though, with that, though, if it was pants and repants were walking down the street. Pants fell oh. off, and who was left? Repants. And that's the end of the story in this case. Yeah. I don't remember why. I don't. I just don't remember where I heard that joke, but I remember hearing it when I was a kid, and I never really understood why it was so hilarious. That's most jokes in a nutshell right there. Oh, uh, I see how you tied that up with a little bow there. Boom.